Here comes Speed Racer, he's a demon on wheel. He's a demon and he's gonna be chasing after someone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mark, coming to you from deep underground in the Comic Book Dungeon. I am your other host, Cruz, and I'm coming to you from the sunny shines of the uh, Comic Book Kitchen. Which is adjacent to the Wolf Spider Deadly Battle Arena 2000. Yes, it is. We'll be be moving the show back over to the... uh, Wolf Spider Arena, probably in about two or three months once it gets a little warmer and I establish myself a new workspace in there. I am excited for you to move back into that space because that is one of the spaces that we birthed this podcast out out of. Uh, it, it was, and I, I think, it, I, I believe it was our first episode where that Wolf Spider assaulted me, wasn't it? Yes, yes it was. Yes, and we caught that. We recorded it. It's there. It's there for posterity's sake. Exactly. And pos- I have witnesses. Posterity is what I is why I think we do this podcast. We're going back. This is a deep dive into Marvel's history. If this is your first show, we look at some of these older issues: the weird, the esoteric, the forgotten, and that's what we do. And that's why you listen, and that's why you love it. Exactly. I mean, it's definitely broadened my horizons as to the Marvel universe, and I'm sure it broadens our listeners' horizons as well. Because nobody's talking about uh, these amazing adventure issues that we've mainly focused on. And the reason is, I mean, for the most part, you can't get these issues. The first one you can buy digitally. The rest of the series you can't. There's that shitty Essentials collection, which is on black and white. It's black and white on pulp paper. But other than that, I mean, the only way you can get these issues is by going out and eBaying them or off of a BitTorrent. And I'm not even sure if they're still available there. So I don't know why Marvel... I know with the their digital comics, they focus mostly on the first 17 issues, which is about Beast going from a large man to a large hairy fur or furred man, and they haven't really gotten to these yet. They kind of just let it slide. Right, and it's it's definitely you know I, I talk to some people that I, I associate with about this podcast, and they ask what we cover, and I I tell them it's some of the some of the forgotten gems of the, the Marvel Universe, and they ask, well, like what? And uh, I explain to them about Amazing Adventures and Kill Raven, which is what we're currently following along, and they're like, kill who? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is, some, this is some real hidden, like, real back shelf, you know, long-lost stuff that people don't know about, and we're, you know, we're, we're talking about it, enjoying it so far. I, I want to say this was, I think it was even before... Disney started bankrolling Marvel and they started to do the, the, the Marvel Studios movies. But there was talk, I want to say, 10 or 15 years ago about a possible Kill Raven movie. Could be wrong on oh, that. Wow. But, I mean, they you name a Marvel character and there's been talk of a movie for them. So, I mean, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, every Marvel character gets some something. <laughs> you know, for years they talked about a Moon Knight movie. I would be surprised if that that happens mm-hmm. but okay it's actually a good lead-in into something i want to talk about which is actually a continuation of a conversation we've kind of had the last two shows about the uh disney acquisition of a lot of fox properties i'm wondering because one of the properties that disney now owns is firefly and oh no what i've always heard is that the cast always wanted to do more with it and josh whedon wanted to it was fox who was kind of the stick in the mud so I'm wondering right. now, because Disney has a great relationship with Josh Whedon, if that's something that they might 
want to explore continuing the story on. So that might be exciting for people who want the story continued. However, everybody's talking about all the good news with this acquisition. It was after the conversation we had about it last week, I realized I was a bit short-sighted with some of that, and I actually have a lot of trepidation now about some of these acquisitions. How so? One of my favorite comic properties, and it's just one of my favorite properties, period, is Aliens. And the Aliens comics have, for the last 20 years, had a home at Dark Horse. I think they've done a really good job with them. Like, I I can remember being back in, like, middle school or high school and reading the novels based off of, like, a lot of those earlier books. I've really loved the, the Aliens comics. And now they've incorporated, they, they, they're the one, it was Dark Horse who started the Alien vs. Predator line, and now they've added Prometheus into that. I mean, they've done a lot with the Aliens license. Like, on my tablet, I have a Aliens vs. Vampirilla. I've read Aliens vs. Terminator. I mean, I've read a lot of these crazy crossovers. I, I just, I can't get enough of that line. And I'm not sure if Disney is going to continue to allow them to to publish because do you remember who published the star wars comics before marvel yeah it was dark horse wasn't it 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 was dark horse and then after the dark or after marvel disney acquired star wars when it came time to renegotiate the contract uh, disney just shut them down and brought it back over to marvel who had it in the 70s and now that's like marvel's best-selling comic line so i'm not sure if that same thing would happen with alien and predator and prometheus but it's a little scary because i mean they they, we're talking about some of dark horse's best-selling line is their serenity comics their alien comics their predator comics their buffy the vampire slayer comics i i think there was even like an avatar line so these are things that have been major sellers for dark horse and now i'm afraid they're all gonna get stripped away what's that gonna mean for dark horse because i i love dark horse i have a lot of dark horse Uh, comics in my long boxes and on my tablet i'd be afraid of this having a negative financial uh, forecast for them and that's just something that i think that a lot of people kind of overlooked everybody was just so excited to have all the media stuff back under disney and marvel's umbrella maybe disney will buy out dark horse too oh yeah i'm not sure if that's a good thing I don't know either, because there. Are, I mean, I, I I enjoyed at least the first ten issues of uh, the Serenity series and uh, a couple of their kind of little mini series they did after the television series ended. And um, I've read I've read a couple of their comics. You know, I enjoyed their their style and kind of that little niche that they occupied in the comic book world. They are a, a favorite of mine. A lot of my favorite comics of the last five years have been published by uh, Dark Horse. One of my all-time favorites, the character's just called X. And they he was an, uh, a character that I, I think they did a, a late 90s run, but they brought him back, I think, in 2012 or 2013. And it was one of the most brutal comics I've ever read. Like, there's a great scene where he's trying to escape and so he literally has to break his arm where, like, his arm bone is sticking out of the skin. And then he uses that as a weapon and, like, stabs a guy through the eye with it. I mean, it's just the level of brutality and then pain that the character puts himself through. It was like a Punisher comic on steroids. I just, I, <laughs> I, I, couldn't, nice. I couldn't get enough of it. And when we do have kids, it's that comic and a few others like it or why I'm going to have, a, like, a lock on the comic room. Because I can just see with my kids being like nine and having a sleepover and me getting like angry phone calls the next day. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. 
Another, if anybody out there loves good comics, if you guys are not reading Black Hammer, like that is the a great series. That's a Dark Horse series. There was Weird Detective that was based heavily off the Lovecraft mythos. Great series. I would recommend if you guys like things that are a little bit odd, a little bit different, but really good. Do yourselves a favor and pick those up. Those are best things you'll read all year. <laughs> nice, awesome. So, what else have you been up to, man? Well, I have some exciting news for the podcast. Okay, what else? What do well, we got? Well, one, we were flooded. Our Gmail account was flooded with at least 150 emails calling you a fascist on how you eat ice cream. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, and those emails, if you happen to check, I've deleted all evidence and proof of them, so you don't need to look into that. Uh-huh, fake news. <laughs> Look, I wouldn't need to fake it because I'm a genius with the best brain and the best test uh, to prove I have the best brain. I'm sure all those emails came from shithole countries. <laughs> <laughs> they all came from shithole, shithole podcasts. And remember, exactly. uh, hey, if you guys, just, if you're on iTunes, remember your favorite shithole podcast and give us five stars. <laughs> or we'll be deported. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, so, yeah, uh, we, in uh, pre-show, we were talking about uh, where we've got listeners, and uh, I guess we're international now, huh? Yes, we have listeners in Canada, France, Japan, and uh, Czechoslovakia. So I've, I don't want to freak anybody out. It's not like I can see where you guys live and, like, I'm tracking you. It's just that when we get our, our metrics through our podcasting hosting site. It just that's one of the things that they break up. It's just the country of origin. So we're not trying to be awesome. crazy. Yeah, so bonjour, konnichiwa, and um, what's all this about? <laughs> uh, Czechoslovakia, I'll work on that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate the support, guys. And again, if you guys want to get in on this conversation, I want to know what you guys are listening to, or what you guys are reading, what you guys are passionate about. Just what's going on, because again, it's as fun as it is to listen to our podcast, I'm going to just be arrogant and say I think it's pretty fun. I think it's even more fun to be part of this conversation. So comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. If you write to us, we will read it on the show. We'll respond to you. We're just, only thing stopping you from having a role in this is the fact that you haven't written. There you go. And... I just want to push that point even further. For all of our Midwestern listeners, February 23rd and 24th, it's the Great Lakes Comic Con, which will be in Michigan. It's the Great Lakes, the, you know, the, the Great Lakes State. It will be at the Macomb Community College. I will be there. So if any of our listeners are going to be at the Great Lakes Comic Con, let me know. I'm not exactly sure what times I'll be there, but I'll be there hanging out, going through the the dollar bit or the quarter bins talking to people hanging out. So if you want to meet your favorite shithole podcaster, <laughs> I will be there. And if that's too far away or that you just can't get there, it looks like I will also be uh, April 6th through the 8th. We'll be at C2E2, which is at McCormick place in Chicago. So again, if you guys, if, you guys are going there and want somebody to walk the con floor or to hang out or to tell me how much we suck in person. This would be a great opportunity. <laughs> so, again, the best way to make that happen, because C2E2, you're not going to see me. It's a really big con. 
you're going to have to email us, comicbookdungeon at gmail.com, or my Twitter handle is brokenlmd, like Marvel's life model decoy, brokenlmd, and we can, uh, we can meet up. You can meet Mark, you can meet Mrs. Mark, and she can tell you how much she, uh, she thinks our podcast sucks and how much we talk about unnecessary things. Yes, like women's attire. Yeah, my mom apparently has listened, downloaded and listened to a couple episodes, <laughs> and she had some harsh feedback here for Cruz and how much time he spent talking about his dog shitting outside. She was glad that he used the light to, to illuminate the yard for her. She was happy that you threw her that bone, but couldn't understand it, not a comic book don, uh, podcast why you spent so much time talking about shit. So. Hi, Mark's mom. Well, I'll try to tone back the fecal freak talk, okay? Or this was reverse psychology, and she wants you to do it more so. In that case, bombs away. <laughs> I have uh, monopolized the podcast uh, for a while. Oh, just to go back to uh, that original Disney point, we did our Halloween episode several months ago where we read a Simpsons comic from Bongo Comics. I thought that episode was never to be referenced again. Well, I'm just, okay. There's a <laughs> Simpsons comic by Bongo Comics. I wonder if they are also going to lose that license now that, or might be in danger of losing that license because Disney now owns The Simpsons. So just all these little repercussions that I don't think people thought of right away. So I'm not sure if this is going to be good or bad for the comic book industry, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Okay, Cruz, okay. what have you been doing the last couple of weeks? Well, first on the, on the Fox freaking Disney point, is it really that bad of a thing if Bongo loses The Simpsons comic book license? I don't think so. I, <laughs> okay. I haven't read one that was good. I put some shit out on Twitter about how I hated them, and some people reference back that there's a couple good ones out there. I remember in the early 2000s reading some of the Futurama ones and really liking them at the time. I'm not sure if now, like 18 years later, if I go back, if I'll still feel the same way, but I remember really enjoying them at the time. I remember distinctly thinking that this is just like reading an, an episode of the show. So, okay, we'll uh, we'll see how that turns out. Okay, as for for me, comic book related, or even even in any of the movie extended media related things, I really haven't done too much uh, these last couple of weeks. A lot of maintenance and prep work on my drone fleet, and uh, competing in a race event that was held on. Uh, Martin Luther King Day, which was really fun. I've got video posted on my YouTube channel at The Blind One on YouTube. If anyone wants to see what first-person view drone racing looks like, it was in the uh, Tiny Whoop class, which is the smallest class of drone uh, that people use to race. I, don't know, I sent Mark a video of it. I think the best thing it can be described as is my, my kids said it looked like I was playing Mario Kart in real life because it looked like the Rainbow Road track. <laughs> it, it looks like Bollywood Tron. Bollywood Tron. There you go. Yeah, it was fun. Stressful as all hell. <laughs> because it, it is a competitive event, and, you know, there there were prizes and everything on the line. Yeah, and it was, I, I'll give it up, it was ran like clockwork. You know, there there's a lot that goes into running one of these events because um, video channels can kind of step on and degrade other video channels' performance. One thing I've had to learn a lot about is freaking how radio frequencies work. And it was... 
very tightly ran that people had to be on specific channels to compete in specific events and so on and so forth. And your time to get ready was also super short. So you were pretty much on the go nonstop if you were racing in both classes that were being held that night, which I did, and which lesson learned, don't do that because I, I was I had no free time. But um, great event. It was fun. Definitely going to do it again. These guys uh, at the Inland Empire FPV Club do this uh, once a month is the goal. And I think I'll definitely be going back there again, helping out a little bit more with track setup and competing a little bit more, too. That was about it for me. You have uh, some fun videos on your YouTube channel. I was watching one today where you would uh, land it on a, like a tall light and try to dive off. <laughs> you call it a land. I call that a crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some cool things on your uh, your YouTube channel. Yeah, it's it's mo- it's all. I think it's almost all like drone related stuff where I'm you know just working on on my my piloting skills, some freestyle, some track race practice stuff. Um, as I get better, the footage gets better. So we'll see. We'll see what kind of hijinks I can get into in the coming year as my skills get better. Yeah, it, it's cool that we have the technology to do that stuff now. If you'd have told me when I was a kid that it would be possible to do some of the shit we can do, uh, I would have told you you're on fucking crack. And, and it's all relatively commercially available, relatively easy to, to do. I mean, yeah, you have to... As you get deeper and deeper into this hobby, you do have to figure out how to solder circuit boards. You do have to figure out how to use capacitors to eliminate freaking electrical noise in your system because then that corrupts your video feed. You'll learn a whole bunch of stuff as you get into this. And it's been a really fun learning and experience period even if it's from from learning how to fly the damn things to learning how to start hitting gates and doing tracks and and you know finally getting to the point where you're in full acrobatic mode where it's basically you know, you're basically flying something that is more maneuverable than I, I think anything you've seen out there you know the, the stuff that you can potentially pull off with these little it's a five inch propeller class drone and they can do some amazing stuff if you're impressed by what I've, but what I, the videos I've put out, you should see what some of the pros can make these things do. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a super fun hobby. Look, I have a small one that I kind of fart around with in the backyard, but yeah, it's just super cool. Like the that they're they're more affordable. The technology's out there, especially like you said with the first person stuff that you do. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely really fun. Yeah, uh, and it's even gotten smaller and smaller. And, and some of the stuff that the range, the range they can do. I mean, uh, a couple guys I fly with have uh, have long range setups where they've gotten out to you know anywhere from five miles plus, depending on conditions. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Or if you look at some of like the, the the modern photography drones, they can get out there to like almost 10 miles away and still have a, a solid video link and control link back to the person. That's insane. You, you've got to understand the concepts that radio waves don't go through certain things. Yeah. So, you know, you can't be uh, hugging the ground. You've got to kind of be at a higher elevation. I mean, there's a group, there is a group, they own a store out here in Southern California called Team Legit. 
and uh, these guys do long range RC air, airplane flights. And they'll go from the I think the store is in Pasadena somewhere, and they'll 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 get a, a couple miles away from their shop just outside of the city, and they'll have flights that go almost all the way up to Santa Barbara, which is a good like almost twenty five linear miles away, that is and they crazy. can they can get an RC plane and have a solid video feed twenty five miles out roughly. It's freaking nuttier than squirrel shit, man. And they can do that without repeaters? Without repeaters, dude. That's crazy. They they, they have um you know, stuff that goes onto the uh, UHF range of uh, radio frequencies and then they also have a telemetry link that has a, a, you know, the the aircraft itself will have a GPS and it'll be tied into a tracking station, a ground station right next to them that takes that those gps coordinates and it points a very very strong directional antenna directly at the craft and that's how they maintain the link because at that range omnidirectional antennas won't cut it you need something that's got a lot of gain to pick it up but uh yeah they do some amazing shit with that stuff man it's it's a trip one of the bigger pioneers in long range stuff and yeah you got me on my freaking my my little pet passion right there is all this shit Team Black Sheep, another guy, guy out in Northern Europe somewhere has a has a shop. He does a lot of really interesting long reach stuff with flying wings. So my uh my mom just texted me. Uh huh. She wants to know why we're not talking about comic books. <laughs> well, oh. let's go. Let's let's dive on in. Um, I'm sure she's gonna yell at me. <laughs> I'm sure she's gonna yell. Yeah, she can yell at me too. Sorry, mom. I'm hi, Mark's mom. No, it is fascinating stuff. I didn't know they could do that. I'm going to probably be Googling some of the stuff that you just talked about. Uh, feel free. And if you actually want to take a little deeper dive into that, um, we'll, we'll talk offline. I've got some, some lower-priced options for, for people that want to kind of dip their toe in that are both durable and not so chintzy that you outgrow them within a month or two. Yeah, that's how people used to describe me in high school. <laughs> What, they'd outgrow you in a month or two? Well, no, that I was affordable, but dur- durable, but you wouldn't outgrow me in a month or two. Those were the, the standard ways that people would describe me. Well, you know what's really not durable? You, you Our listenership? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, wardrobe attire in the year of 2019, apparently, after the Martian apocalypse. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait to get into this issue. There's... I have a very love-hate relationship with this issue. It was a great issue, but it broke my heart. And let's, uh, let's jump on in. Let's do this. Okay. This is Amazing Adventures featuring War of the Worlds. This is issue 25 from July of 1974 featuring the low, low cover price of 25 cents. Ooh, wow. And for that twenty-five cents, we get a pretty good, uh, pretty good cover this month. We that the banner is transparent, so we get to see. Yay! It's, well, it's blue because it looks like they're over some water there, but still, I appreciate that it. It's just so distracting when you have like the big red blob in the background. Yeah, yeah, that red banner sucked. Yeah, so I was <clears> very happy that we we didn't have that, and we have quite the action-packed cover this month. 
Yes, we do. I mean, it, we've got Kill Raven and uh, the little miniature of him to the left of the banner is wearing pants. Yeah, the, the, gay pants. The costumes are pretty identical there. That's always nice. That's always good. But yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of action going on in the cover. We've got Kill Raven and some one-eyed Cyclopean-looking freaking dude freaking going at it on top of what looks like a tripod walker. I'm assuming, just based off the cover, that this going in, it's the fiendish fury of the man called Scar. Well, we have we have two bubbles here, two caption bubbles. We have the yes. grudge match of the 21st century, Death Stocks, the Indianapolis 500, and featuring the fiendish fury of the man called Scar. So the guy who, on the cover, fighting Kill Raven, I'm assuming, at this point, is Scar. It doesn't mm-hmm. look so much like that's an eye. It looks like there's just a giant hole in his head. A giant it moist does. hole. It does look like a gaping freaking hole right in the middle of where his face should be. Like, where's his nose? I mean, he, it's like he has a giant cleft palate as an eye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I dig the cover. You know, I mean, Kill Raven's rocking some old school fighting uh, weapons over here. He's got a freaking chain, you know, looking looking like he's putting in some work. He got some, looks like some c- civilians or something down on the ground. What that looks like to me, they look like they're cosplaying as Daredevil in his yellow costume. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, you know, when I when I read this cover, you know, when I looked at this cover and I read the bubble, Death Stalks the Indianapolis 500, I had to go back and make sure that I wasn't, like, skipping ahead an issue. Because when last we left, everyone was in Washington, D.C., Oh, I thought you were going to say, because this looks nothing like the Indianapolis 500, cause there, or any racetrack, because there weren't a bunch of Confederate flags and chewing tobacco everywhere. <laughs> exactly. I didn't see anyone named Cletus back over there, so I was confused. Uh, but now, I mean, we, we last left, we were in Washington, D.C., and uh, now we're in Indianapolis, at the Indianapolis 500, which is uh, nowhere near Washington, D.C., last I checked. So I was wondering, what the hell's going on? We hit the ground running, and they kind of catch you up as we go. Exactly, which was great. You know, I definitely was uh, was happy to see one of the the sore points I had with their transition from New York to Washington was they they didn't do anything with the journey. It looks like that that they're kind of doing that now because we exactly. see that they have a destination. But yeah, they I think they really missed an opportunity with that. I just wanted to point out on this cover that in the foreground, we have Kill Raven and Scar fighting. They're fighting on top of a tripod. Scar is popping out of the of a canopy of this red tripod. And it's hard. Does it, does it look like Kill Raven is kneeling on top of there? Or he's like jumping Super Mario style up there? Either way, I had a lot of anxiety for him because it looks like one of them's about to fall. It seemed a little dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it looks like someone's about to fall. It looks like uh, Scar's jumping out, and it looks like Kill Raven either just landed or is, like, off balance and trying to recover his balance. Quite a badass cover. And, like, yes. the tripod arm is kind of, like, coming in, and it has, like, a sickle on the end, and it looks like it's attacking him, too. Yep. Really cool looking. Yes. It, so There are some things on here. Again, like, the position he's in... To my eye, it, it it took me a second to try to kind of piece together, like, again, is he landing, is he falling, or what? But what I love about this cover is that when you look at it, you're just, it, especially like you said, it doesn't match up with where we left the previous issue. It really gives you this, 
what the hell is going on? And I absolutely have to read this issue to see how this makes sense. It, exactly. Yeah. It, it, you know, it left me a little confused about what we were doing here, but it, it looked like it was such an action packed cover that I wanted to find out what's going on after I made sure I was on the right issue. I always do that too. I always skip back the previous issue, just see like the last page where we left things and double check the number and then go and then pop on in. All right, well, let's pop on in. Uh, I was going to say, it's a good segue. As we open, we get our creative team, Don McGregor, writer, Rich Buckler, artist, Klaus Jansen, inker, Dave Hunt, letterer, and Linda Lessman, colorer. As always, our esteemed editor is Roy Thomas, and this issue is The Devil's Marauder. Right, and uh, we're starting off right into the action immediately. I... Uh, as exciting as this is, I have to say I laughed my ass off when I saw this first this first page. This cracked me up. And we have just finally patched up our relationship after the Saber Lando thing, so I don't know if I want to start <laughs> another feud. But this guy who's running, the, the, the human we see on this page, who does he look like to you? Oh, jeez. Uh, who he, he look, Kirk? <laughs> Okay, let's describe the scene, and then I'll tell you why this just just okay. had me rolling. Let's go. Okay, <laughs> we start this issue. We see the red tripod, presumably the one from the cover. It's chasing this guy down. It's a guy with a yellow shirt and green pants. This is clearly Aquaman. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I so, could totally see that. Blonde hair, and look, he's running to the water. He's running to safety. <laughs> And what's so sad is he almost gets there. Uh, he looks like he's getting ready to dive in, and then he gets a freaking sickle leg to the head. I was super impressed with that panel. They split this up into three panels, and yeah, right when he gets to the water, it's hard to tell if he stumbles or if it's just that he gets he gets stabbed in the back of the head by this leg, and all you see in that third panel is his head underwater with the spike in his head, and you just see a lot of red mist coming up. That's quite a bold thing to do in uh, 1974. It was pretty neat. Yeah, it, it beats like the freaking warp hole lines coming off of it that they've been using in the past. It was a really bold direction, and I'd say that's definitely Rich Buckler as the artist on this issue taking some chances. And this was just so tragic, because if he had just made it another foot, he would have rejuvenated his power once he got back in the water <laughs> and might have been able to get a squid or a dolphin or something yeah, to come help gets him. A, get some of his fish friends to help him out, yeah. huh? The loss of Arthur here, of Aquaman, was a truly, I felt this as keenly the entire issue. Okay, I can I can see that. It does look like uh, Aquaman there. Yeah. Okay. He almost made it. Yeah, almost made it, and that's what made this sad. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, uh, they're giving a little flavor text back there talking about, uh, you know, the senseless killing of endangered species and how the humans call it the red planet back in the day. And now man is the endangered species. Go on. I did something a little bit different this issue because normally I read the caption, then I read like the the word uh, the word balloons. I started to divorce the word or the captions from actually what was going on on the page, and I think that if somebody actually went through these issues and skipped some of the captions, 
you would not be missing a tremendous amount. Sometimes there's some really good background information in those captions, or there's a really fun comparison, like showing like what he's going with comparing stuff going on in the 70s to now. But sometimes it's a bit heavy-handed and a little unnecessary. Yeah. And some of this issue kind of leaned towards the unnecessary. Yeah, some of this issue was a little heavy-handed. Uh, but, you know, there were there was a couple points where they did make some comparisons from the 70s to their current situation. And, you know, un- unless you're reading them all, you're, you, you have the chance of missing out on something that could actually be good. Yes. I would never not read the, the captions. I would not recommend people to, to go through comics. If Why why do it if you're not going to do it all the way? But yeah, definitely this one felt a little... Some of it was a little unnecessary. Yeah. Well, so uh, we get done with this page here. And uh, we move to probably, for me, my favorite illustration in this whole book. This is pretty awesome. This is a, a, a big, sweeping, two-pager right it it's got four it's got three small panels inset on the upper left and, but i mean this is a giant illustration so in, in the three smaller panels you've got kill raven he's on one of the uh dyna gliders from last issue it's being if those if those things can fly like 50 feet in the air it seems weird that they pulled them out of his subterranean cube <laughs> but okay i will i'm not i'm trying not to be that guy this issue suspend your disbelief mark i know you yeah. can do it <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean they're they're cruising in on a dyna glider it's uh piloted by mashula kill raven jumps off and that's that's the end of the three little panels now you go to this huge panel and it's got kill raven landing on top of the walker the tripod you've got scar inside of it and it's got a good good indication of the layout and the controls on the inside He's dressed totally different than he was on the cover. Yes. He was wearing quite a He-Man-esque ensemble on the cover, but now he's wearing a purple jumpsuit with weird suspenders that yes, suspend yes. in midair. It's a little impractical, but it's neat. It, it's it's something straight out of like a 1950s freaking sci-fi movie. Yeah. Hey. They're, they're completely useless unless it's some means of like hoisting yourself out of something. You have to be a confident guy to pull that off. Well, uh, you know what? If I had a gaping maw in my freaking face instead of an eye or a nose, I'd be pretty confident. Well, yeah, you're good. that's exactly probably why he has those things on there to, to distract people from the weird, moist, two-inch hole in his head. I thought it was because they matched his earrings. <laughs> this is true. He <laughs> got those from the Mr. Clean collection. <laughs> The Mr. Clean connection found at one of the abandoned Kmart's throughout the wasteland. You, uh, you're going to yell at me, <laughs> but with the Dyna Glider, the entire issue, all I could think about is, what fuel do those take, and how are they going to refuel it so far outside of the Washington, oh D.C. tunnels? You know what? <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. I'm not, awesome. I'm not going to freaking argue with you about that. I'm like, what do they run on? What the hell do they run? Which in one well, of those flavor bubbles, uh, one of the captions somewhere, they mention mankind leaving fossil fuels and moving on to nucleo. I forget what the made up fucking word was, oh, but there is something I, ahead. I have it in my notes. Yeah, when we get there, yeah, I'll, I will. I'll make sure. Let's put a pin in that, and we'll yes. get back to the. Uh, yeah, I, I, what I love about this page, and it's so kind of understated. When we see you see Aquaman's corpse lying like head down in the the water. And the yeah. water's red now. All red. They, yeah, I mean, this is 
like you said, this is definitely different from like the last two issues where you get like a weird explosion to cover up any gore. Yeah. This one, they they really they went. This with ain't it. your mama's Kill Raven. No, and I mean this is our first page with Kill Raven, and as he's he's jumping like a maniac out of a flying vehicle onto a vehicle that's like forty feet off the ground, and in midair, this arm, this tripod arm with a knife, comes up and slices him through the back. Yeah, it, it definitely. Yeah, it. it it cuts him pretty good and you've got some blood and gore kind of illustrated on the blade kind of showing that some damage has been done yeah i mean this is definitely cut through him yeah and uh but you know what kill raven's back up to his old antics he's 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 being really kinetic really athletic and he's talking a lot of shit while he's doing it yep and in that dialogue we do learn that uh Again, that this is Scar, and the tripod that he's manning is called the Devil's Marauder. Yep. And uh, what else happens on this panel? I think that's about it. You know, they, they have a little dialogue back and forth. He tells him it's the Devil's Marauder, and he slices him and kill Raven. When I said he was back to his old antics, it, it was for the good and for the bad. Because Kill Raven, of course, is jumping into battle with absolutely no plan whatsoever. Nope. And I will call out, it was neat that they that he knew that this was plexiglass that was the screen for this thing. But, um, yeah, you're not going to bust it open just by punching it. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, it's weird that he didn't bring a chain or a sword or something. He, with he has he a sword. He really didn't think that through. He has a sword. Yes, he does. I. He was trying to Spider-Man onto the side of that and didn't want to draw it. Right, right, yeah. So We, uh, we get some good dialogue from Scar... He's he's talking some shit back. He says some pretty disparaging things about uh, humanity. Mm-hmm. Kind of distance himself from humanity, which it's a little weird because I assume that this guy was a baseline human who was mutated into a mutant. But yeah, he it's a continuing theme where he he distances himself from humanity as a whole and looks down upon humanity. Okay, I gotta say, so this, on this page here, I just had to really 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 messed up thoughts about this guy because it, about the hole in his about head? the giant gaping hole in his head and he, about what it looks like well no well about what it looks like but also about what what could have been done i mean because you know the martians have lots of tentacles right <laughs> <laughs> I, I told myself i wasn't going to say this on the podcast because my mom listens to this podcast but the entire time every time i saw him it's a giant old orifice, so there's only one thing I could think of when I looked at that, and I'm like, it's just, because it doesn't make any sense. Where does that hole go to his brain? It's just, I don't know, but I'm not going to say it. We're going to take the higher road, which has always been our motto here on the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So yeah, Scar uh, Scar's got this pretty cool feature on his uh, Devil's Marauder. You mean the fact that his brain has ventilation <laughs> and he has no eyeballs? Exactly. It's a fucking idiotic design. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's got this great uh, anti-border feature. You know, it, it's not a wall or anything like that. It's <laughs> uh, it's. How does he even know Kill Raven's on it with no depth perception? Because <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> I promised myself I would. <laughs> so, yeah, the Devil's Marauder has a nifty feature where if there's an unwanted person trying to board it, it, it heats up the surface of its uh, 
skin to uh, uh, let's see. Well, first it has apparently it has like four settings. The first setting is uh, warm. Uh, the second setting is hot. The third sk- setting is scalding. And uh, setting number four, which I don't have on my freaking like shower or on my freaking stove, but it's blistering. I like the first panel here where Kill Raven makes contact. It's such a cool WWF move. <laughs> it's like a Shatner Captain Kirk fighting yes. move where he's got his hands together and the double fist and Where's bringing music, it down. <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it definitely reminded me of a Shatner-esque freaking fighting move, for sure. That, or he was, like, giving it the people's overhead punch. Yeah, he totally went full Zangief on it. Yes, yes. Yeah, I thought that was cool, but then, like you said, like a baked potato, he's about to get cooked here, because, like, you went over the four different modes. So that's a pretty cool defense feature, that he, the outside can radiate heat. I don't, uh, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I've seen a lot of the, like... What's like run electricity through yeah. the hall, but yeah, this was a cool spin on that. Yeah. So as uh, as Kill Raven gets thrown off the side of the walker, the tripod, Scar has some more disparaging things. I mean, really, this has to be a blow to Kr's self esteem. I must say, uh, he gets kicked off and uh, he plummets down, and basically he gets shit talked the whole time as uh, Scar basically just walks away and leaves Killraven right next to Aquaman's corpse. While Killraven is falling and Scar is shit-talking, he slices him again oh, on the way down. Oh, you know what? I didn't catch that. Yeah, that takes some That, that is some, some skill. skill, man. It's just, it, it, it's, it's almost like carelessly just freaking wax him one more time. It's, it's, it's almost a contemptuous freaking slice. And to be able to hit a falling body like that with something as... as cumbersome as like that robotic arm that shows some skill for a guy who again i wonder how he has not even just any depth perception but any <laughs> any vision with a giant cape hey, maybe it's thing. just you know the the lighting's off so it looks like it's just an empty black socket but really there's you know two really close set eyes in there <laughs> just devil's advocate you know just just being a devil's advocate I, and freaking giving you alternatives but having Having eyes those clo- that close together, I don't think would add to his depth perception, and I think would give him issues with parallax. Nah, you know, human human brain filters out parallax all the time. Um, now, it, it, the fact that the eyes are so close together probably would hamper depth perception because it's the parallax that helps you clue in that you're that things are so far away. So what I hear you saying is you agree with me on this and on Neapolitan ice cream. Uh, I uh, agree with you on the uh, first choice, but uh, not on the last. No, no. I will never, never agree to that chaotic method of imbibing said shitty ice cream. Fair enough. Okay. I'm going to fucking buy some Neapolitan ice cream, and I'm just going to cut out each individual flavor and leave the hollowed out fucking husk of like a little sliver of ice cream that's freaking vanilla on one side, chocolate on the other. Take a picture of it and send it to you and say, how about this? My point when we talked about this during Punish Sember is that you were acting like a, a bit of a food fascist, and your statement there completely destroys that. I apologize for, <laughs> for ever thinking that. You segregating the ice cream out individually and then sending me a picture to prove to rub your rightness in my face clearly proves that you have the morally superior argument and that you're not a fascist. There has to be a line somewhere. I apologize. I apologize to you. 
Oh, jeez. I'm glad you came around my way thinking. <laughs> I think Mrs. Mark agrees with me, though. You're being a real Camilla Frost. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about Camilla. Oh, we're, we're, we're still about oh. a page off. Because this page, we're on page seven, and we get the revelation that we've been waiting for. For issues and issues. Okay. So we have Kill Raven. He's left for dead with a couple severe wounds on his mm-hmm. back. And we see that the fact that Scar just left him for dead without checking. He didn't read Warlord's memo about you can't just hit Kill Raven in the back or the back of the head and just leave him Damn, there. you're way too dangerous. dangerous. This is also a missed opportunity up here because it says that he fades into the background. as the Devil's Marauder fades in the background. It's Banshee Whale also fades. That would have been a cool onomatopoeia. But we yeah. uh, we miss that. But while this is going on, we finally get to see Kill Raven's power. As he's sitting there, his vision kind of drifts out, and he starts to see visions of things that are not in his immediate environment. He sees a straight roadway, like a racetrack. He sees a Martian base, and he sees a couple individuals working on a on a tripod. And this is where we learn what his his power is that they've been hinting at. It's Claire Sentience. Claire who? Sentience. And I, I researched this a little bit, and if you Google Claire Sentience, you're going to get a, a little bit of a variety of definitions, and all of them are from, like, hippy-dippy websites. But basically, a lot of it is being able to sense something that's not in your immediate area, or to be able to read, say, the emotions off of a person or an animal, or get vibes off the the environment again there was not one clear definition it kind of i think can fit any sort of power yeah. you want it to be yeah it sounds like powers that. so it's like he can remote view he can see things that are not in his immediate area and from these he deduces that these things he's seen this is where the tripod the devil's marauder is uh, right hitting. yeah and uh his uh, his allies come and pick him up after this after he's had his little freaking astral projection walk his, yeah, his little spirit, spirit quest, quest uh, Mashula. Who? Where the fuck have you been, Mashula? Yeah, <laughs> we watched you get sliced up, and we decided to take <laughs> yeah, exactly. the long way like around. Yeah, exactly. Maybe to go help you know, you. maybe the uh, the Dyna Glider just has the turning radius of a battleship or something. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of a dramatic shot. He jumps out of it like Kill Raven does, uh, did earlier to help him, but he unfortunately he makes the dubious choice <laughs> to let Old Skull, who's the equivalent of their Lemmy for mice and men pilot the uh the ship why didn't he just yeah, land in uh, next uh, to kill Raven? yeah exactly why didn't he just land a damn thing uh instead you've got old skull who, who who admits that he has no fucking clue what he's doing and it's just like please don't make me no. do this because i have no idea how to handle this technology i'm gonna crash this right into kill Raven, and <laughs> exactly. you're gonna be really mad at me he says lenny doesn't want to fly the ship george please don't make lenny fly the ship <laughs> That's basically his dialogue, and I, I appreciate him knowing the limits of his abilities. Unlike other people who would sit there, I have the highest score on these tests, I would be at the best at landing this, and then landing it on top of both of them. I'm a really stable genius, I know how to do this, okay? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, exactly. And, uh, of course... Yeah, we 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 get a, a another peek into the Kill Raven and uh, Mashula's uh, relationship, where uh, you know Mashula's worried about him and uh, sees the damage to his back. 
And uh, Kill Raven's just like, eh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Well, you know, mine will, my back will be okay. Let's go set up camp. He's just shrugging off that two slices he took. I didn't notice this when I read it earlier. Look at to the right of Mashula's head. You see that <laughs> Dino Glider just fly and just into the distance. Because the next page, when they go back to camp, it looks like it's dark. My theory is that he crashed that like two miles away, and it took them a long time to go track it down and then be able to fly it back to camp. Yeah, it it, it makes sense. But yeah, so next, yeah, when I saw that 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 freaking Dyna Glider, I was like, uh, well, old Skull's just going for a joyride now. <laughs> I would have loved if it was, like, upside down or something. <laughs> it's it upside down. Up. Old Skull forgot to buckle up, so he's hanging from the controls. <laughs> I think that would have killed the mood that Don McGregor was going for a little bit. But I, oh, I just think that would have been hilarious. So, yeah, they're, they're, at, they're back at camp. There's a caption kind of discussing how the fire lit freaking Freeman and... Camilla are reminiscent of their tribal ancestors. Yeah, a little heavy-handed, but, you know, whatever. Here's the most important line of dialogue from the issue, because we learn why Mint Julep isn't there. We learn that she loaned them the Dynaglider, and then they're on their way to the Na- uh, Yellowstone National Park, which, what kind of bullshit is that? They, she should. She was the core of the team. Yeah, she was, she the was best more Kill Raven than had. Kill Raven. Yes! So I'm a little sad that she's not here, and I'm not sure right. if we're going to be so, seeing her again. Oh, yeah, but and, you know, it gives us our cast of characters. You know, you got Kill Raven, Old Skull. You have this woman who I don't know who she was until she talked, and then it was identified this was Camilla. Uh, apparently, she went through a wardrobe change and decided that she wanted to wear something from you know, like the old Planet of the Apes movies, the old ones. It looks like she mugged a hooker. It absolutely looks like she mugged a hooker. She's wearing a red bikini and thigh-high boots. And in that giant, like, the middle panel in the in the middle of the page, it looks like it's from 1992. Because look how tiny her legs get by the time that, like, her, her legs, dude, like, reach uh, the dude, ground. Dude, all I can hear beat. when I looked at that panel was in the back of my head. I heard, dun, 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 I like big butts and I cannot lie. <laughs> All I could think of, I just wanted to take a pencil and draw a bunch of weird cross hatching on her, and then it would look like Rob Liefeld, the guy, the notorious oh, uh, artist and giant, giant weapon guy of the yeah, 90s. Yeah, she, she, she's definitely looking a little disproportionate to what we're used to out of Camilla. Uh, she doesn't seem to have her sword, but she's wearing two pistol holsters, you know, crisscrossed on her hips. And she lost the yeah, crazy Yeah, she lost face. the crazy eyes. The crazy she eyes. lost that weird kind of chainmail looking armor top. Yeah, yeah I liked exactly. her look before. So this was... I'm wondering if maybe when the Lincoln Memorial was damaged or fell apart, maybe her clothes were damaged and now these Perhaps. Are it does actually... Women. You know what? I, I probably should have went back and issued to kind of take a look at what the free women wore. Um, but I'm thinking it's reminiscent of that. Uh, and, and I am... I'm, I'm a little saddened too because I, I did like uh, Camilla's freaking her character design beforehand. Now it looks kind of generic and kind of, like I said, something out of a 70s freaking, you know, sci-fi flick, either like something with dinosaurs that had cave women that were dressed in some reddish brownish outfit, you know, or, or something out of a Planet of the Apes movie that was, that was made in the 70s. It's just not, not, not having any pizzazz for me. She needs something more. Yeah. It's very 70s-esque. So 
the free women wore things that were a bit more practical. Not, I, I'm not seeing anything with a bikini bottom. That okay. They wore. Well, but they weren't really. They were featured yeah, in the background. Yeah. So you know what? So, it's hard to tell. Yeah, we've we've got Camilla talking. There's 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 a little conversation going back and forth here between Camilla and Kill Raven. And uh, basically, she's calling him out on his bullshit of, you know, always jumping into action without really having a plan, always going after vengeance. He's he's a real dick here. Uh, he immediately starts in with a snide comment about not trusting that Camilla is leading them right. in the right direction. Just, well, for, this has no, been a, a, an ongoing and, theme with Killraven, though. He's always been a dick to her. And th- then we learn that they don't. They don't know why they're going to Yellowstone. Right. He has not told them why. He just says, oh, this is our destination. He, I have a good reason for going that way. Because Hawk, Hawk is sitting around the fire, and he, has, he brings up, you, ha- you haven't even told us why we're going to this place, and all that Kill Raven has told him is he's got a good reason. I mean, that's, you're not being a good leader to expect these people to risk their life for you, and you're not even right. telling them why they're on the yeah. mission. Yeah, and, and, and on top you. of that, the way he treats his subordinates is definitely, it's very, it's very asshole-ish. I think every point that Camilla brings up here yeah. is fair. That, like you said, that she's, he, he makes all these great speeches about fighting for freedom, and you know, wherever there's trouble, but, uh... He constantly subverts his own cause yes. uh, for vengeance. So I feel that, and then again, that it's hard to argue these points when he won't even tell his men why they're on the journey they're on. So I think they did a really good job of making Camilla sympathetic in this interchange or exchange and making him right. really she, kind she of an asshole. She calls him out. She, she, she tells him you know, what she thinks leaders were supposed to be able to do and how they were supposed to inspire and kill Raven. You know, he makes a couple of snide comments, as you said, about how he didn't have, you know, time for ideology while, you know, while he was out surviving in the wastelands. And he, he calls into the fact that, you know, for a while, Camilla there was, she, she was, a am not going to say a fully willing participant in the Martian regime, but she was there, even if she was coerced to be there. He's a real asshole here. He calls her yes. a pampered pet of the Martians and then brings in that Grok is a little more than another pet. Which, I mean, these are very the most derogatory way that I think that or ways that he could describe her relationship to Grok and what she experienced. Because we learned last issue, they threw her in with the body of her dead father and watched her scream for their amusement. So to call her a pampered pet, you're really... After what you know, right? You're yeah, really so being they're, an they're they're going back and forth, and she she's firing back too. I mean, she's just she's not freaking backing down from this, and it it just escalates further and further. I feel her comments, like you said, are absolutely justified. Her questioning his commitment to his ideals because he constantly abandons them for vengeance, and then never, you want to be this great leader, but you never take the time to ask why, or just to take a step back and analyze the situation. So she, I think she's logically attacking his points, and he's just getting defensive and yes, lashing and, out Yes, and she continues emotionally. on, and, and, and she, she, she definitely levels some rather strong criticisms as far as his performance in his role as a great revolutionary and how he, you know, even with all his heroics and his daring do at the very most has made himself only a minor nuisance to the Martians. Let me ask you a question before we go to the next page in that middle panel 
on the right where we that's the first time we really get to see her in her new costume here that metal thing sticking out of the ground what do you think that is man i i i couldn't tell you at first i thought it was like a jackhammer of some sort but it would it'd be really that's out of place it maybe it's like. a futuristic I, tiki torch who knows the only thing that i could come up with is if you go back to aquaman's body like when he was ru- well, when he was running he had a weapon on his side i wonder if they took that off um, his body yeah that does look reminiscent of it yeah it's, it's just so weird because it's so prominent in the foreground. It's weird to have an object in the foreground like right. that that's never going to be referenced again. Yeah, that makes life. sense. It does look a little like the what Aquaman was carrying. But I, I got us off on another uh, tangent. Yeah, we go on to page 11, and you were you were talking about, yeah, she was meeting his criticism. Right, and, and criticism up here you get a good, a good shot of uh, her, her new, less practical outfit, and it's... You know, I, I guess she's walking around freaking shooting guns akimbo style now because it looks like she's got two holsters and two pistols these days. Which I think would be more yeah. practical than a sword, but I'm not fighting the, you, uh, the Martian apocalypse. Probably more so practical than throwing stars, apocalypse. too, but hey, shiny <laughs> silver stars. They're gold. <laughs> yes, silver stars. But, uh,. Those are the knockoff brand, the gold stars. So, so yeah, Kill Ravens, you know, he, he's. Apparently tired of these criticisms and tired of Camilla constantly questioning him, and, and he he kind of snaps a little bit, and he he grabs Camilla, and he's physically threatening her at this point, and just blowing up in her face, and uh, she looks. I was a uh, little. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I was a, I was a little confused by this exchange. I just wanted to read off like that last panel. I'll hear no more of uh, this kind of talk. And she says, kill Raven. And then he yells, what did you call me? And she said, and then Mashula says, you can shoot and curse if you must, but, or you can shout and curse if you must, but I'll not stand by and watch you hurt Camilla. What does he mean by what did you call me? Cause I've read, I read that all the, this entire exchange multiple times, she never calls him anything. The only thing she ever calls him is kill mm. Raven. Well, she didn't call him kill name. Raven. Mashula did. No, oh, oh, yep, that's right, that's part of his, uh, so, but again, there's no, nobody's calling him anything, and I know he usually, he sometimes calls him KR, but there was a, an insinuation that there was a, like, there was some sort of name calling. I, I think maybe this was like a non-verbal thing, um, unfortunately, it doesn't convey very well, I mean, the first pen on this page she she is you know she's sitting there she she does look like she's in a defensive posture because her arms are crossed grok is behind her growling menacingly menacingly because he can tell that the mood's turning sour um but she does look at him like she she that first panel definitely does convey that she is looking at him with freaking a, a little bit of contempt and some scorn i do agree with that my what i think happened here i'm wondering if they did some like last minute dialogue changes this issue is, I think, much more, I don't want to say much more, but it's more violent, it's more graphic than we've seen other issues, and it's more emotionally raw. I'm wondering if maybe when they, after they submitted it, the editor wanted them to tone down a couple things, and maybe there was some name-calling there that didn't make the edit, and they just Right, well, that. if, okay, so the middle bub, middle middle panel on the top, yeah. Kill Ravens, uh you know, oh, I'll just read it off. He's he, he's replying to Camilla. Questions, questions. 
you'd have us uh, debate this war sitting around desks discussing diplomacy. Yes, I know such words. Oh, yes, I know such words, woman. Take the scorn out of your eyes. And when she retorts back pretty quickly, it'll stay there until you earn more than that scorn. Uh, so I, I'm guessing she, she it was a slight, but maybe the wording was pretty bad. It, it definitely, I it, it, there's a lot of disrespect coming off of her. But again, it, I, I, I'm just confused why you wouldn't say, like, you dare disrespect me. It, it specifically well, says, what did you call me? She called him worthy of scorn. Because he has not earned anything more than that in her eyes. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's, I'll take it. it. It doesn't flow very well. I will say that. So I am trying to infer oh, way more. And there is something that could have been changed in the editor, editing process. I'll, I'll, I'll concede that as well. But she's she is being so I'm, lippy and so just disrespectful, and it, she's rightfully so. My read on this is I think whatever was in that top word balloon on that third panel where it was changed to Kill Raven, I'm wondering if he insinuated it was some he said something else like calling him a name or calling him out for now physically grabbing onto her and. Maybe the editors wanted that change because they realized maybe that was mm. making Kill Raven look bad, and yeah. that's why they. Especially because if you read, especially after, let me go back. So, what did you call me? And then Mashula says, "You can shout and curse if you must, but I'll not stand by and watch you hurt Camilla." At which Kill Raven replies, "Mashula, the siren weaves tales that cloud your mind. I have expect you to start mewling, Mud Brother." So it definitely feels to him to Kill Raven that Mashula has turned against him and he's blaming Camilla. I'm wondering if he called him a name or called him out. I could totally that, see that. And then they just changed yeah. it to his name. I also wanted yes. to, to talk about Mud Brother because this, this is not the first time that he's referred to Mashula as Mud Brother. And both times when I read it, I'm like, that really doesn't sound good. Oh, really? But I looked up what a Mud Brother is. And Enlighten it does not me, have racist connotations. So Mud Brother, when I looked it up, the first definition that came up, and it was actually on uh, Urban Dictionary, <laughs> and surprisingly, it wasn't graphic. It's, say if you have two like individuals or two kindred individuals, but who come from much different backgrounds, they would be considered Mud Brothers. So for example, uh, Cousin Larry Appleton and Balky Bartokamus from Perfect Strangers would be Mud Brothers because they're you, the kid from the city and then the guy from Mepos, but they come together and they're, they're friends, they're kindred spirits. The second definition, or it's popular in the gay community, it's a term for two guys in an anal relationship. So, for example, <laughs> Cousin Larry and Balky Bartokamus from Perfect Strangers. So I think that they mean the first definition here and not the second, that they're so similar, they're so alike, but they're from different backgrounds, which I call bullshit on. They were both slaves who fought for the amusement of the Martians and escaped. So I feel the only reason that they're saying that they have different backgrounds is because Kilrain yeah. is a white guy and Mishula is a black guy. But other than that, I mean, they are they have the same attitude, more or less. Mishula is less of an asshole and has different color skin and uses a crossbow. Right. Those are the only right. differences and, between the character. But, well, and, but and, that, and Mishula is the number two fighter in the gladiatorial arena. <laughs> Which is debatable, especially considering this panel where, like we were talking about up, up uh, top here, Kill Raven, he's got his hands, and I'm not sure if he's squeezing Kill Camilla he's or what. He's squeezing her. But 
She looks Mishula shocked. Comes, yeah, she does look shocked. And Mashula, rightfully so, interjects. And then he doesn't just, like, shove him off her. He, he just, back like, back punches him, dude. It is, right. like, it is a rather epic-looking blow. And yep. it sends KR flying. And we get a nice, Kowak! Which, he was totally being an asshole. Totally out of control. I mean, th- he was 100% wrong. And he, Mashula and Camilla right. were and, 100% and that, in the right That little here. device that you said would never be referenced again, it's referenced. <laughs> well, it gets broken. <laughs> Chekhov's jackhammer. There. I thought it was Aquaman's staff. <laughs> yes. His his his, uh, his, his, his trident trident. slash swagger stick. His swagger trident. This was a this was a great page. I love yeah. the, the all the dialogue here. Kill Raven. I followed you through more hells than uh, plague my sleep. But I said, leave go of her. I think they mean let well, go I, of you her. Know, might, that might have been something that. that was in the editing then, again to kind of. Change change the dynamic, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, I I could definitely see maybe. Yeah, because the wording's off. Leave her alone. The wording on that the the preceding panel and that panel are off a little bit. So yeah, I'm willing to add more, more subscribe more to the theory they, that there is something they had to change in editing to make it look better. Yeah, you can definitely tell there's bold in some of these words, like they are not the right the same size. I definitely think this got hit with an editor, like a quick edit and. Somebody you, didn't proof it. I'll agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, no, is, no, no, no. I, oh, I, I, okay. I said I'll agree there. Go on, sir. Yep. Okay, we can end it right here. Asket and Camilla and I will leave with the morning sun. And you see Killraven. He's mad. He's got his fists bunched. Like, his, his fists are closed, but he opens his hand. Uh, <laughs> in terms of hells, I've been burned anew, says Killraven. He says, I ask you to stay, brother. So that was good. He, I think he, he's calming down. Yeah, he's realize yeah he's definitely. A, he's a dick kind move. of a dick. This is a dick move. Chapter two, <laughs> the dick move. Actually, no, it's we go to the next page and it's chapter and two. And there is a the lot of captions record. here. <laughs> That's what I call my divorce. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome when you laugh at your jokes. It's okay. Sometimes. <laughs> we we start this page, page 14. Our heroes are on a cliff. They're overlooking the Indy 500. And the Indy 500, it's in Indiana. Are there giant cliffs like that in Indiana so. I, overlooking I thought, the Indy 500? I thought Indiana was pretty, pretty flat. I could be wrong, but, you know. This is my no prize, that during the war, when the Martians took over, they used some sort of tectonic ray to subdue the humans and here's some some damage in the landscape fair enough no prize in so, the mail yeah it definitely looks like uh they're, they're looking down on this facility this is where that line that you referenced earlier we learned that cars were rendered rendered obsolete in the 1990s due to the invention Ooh. of the trans belt conveyor which is funny that you would have something like that, say, a transbelt conveyor in Indiana, because you think that would be affected by the trans bathroom bills that are trying that are so popular <laughs> in that part of the country. But oh, I know. yeah, Indiana. Sorry. Hey, they did something smart, though. They did get rid of pens. Well, I was about to say, the Indy 500 here has been transformed into a base to assemble and test Martian <laughs> tripods. Thank you, Mike Pence. That was part of his progressive policies before he left. 
I want the gays tortured and the Martians testing is what his Well, you know, the Martians uh, were going to freaking take uh, all their jobs back to Mars. So he, he, he arranged a deal where they would keep some labor in Indiana and sell it as a positive. I got to say, I like how many states have been fighting back on the gay conversion therapy. Because, I mean, basically. that is it, yeah, it's state torture. sponsored torture. It's, it's somebody. As somebody who works in the mental health field, anybody who would do that should immediately lose their license. It's it's fucked up. But of course, I am getting us on a tangent when we should be t- we should be talking about Mike Pence's Martian policy. Well, apparently, the signing of this deal to produce Martian tripods and test them in Indiana was a, a explosive success, you could say. <laughs> uh, so. The Kill Ravens uh, discussing their uh, stealth tactics, which y- you get to see a little more of Mashula and Kill Ravens' uh, relationship here. Yeah, they're they're Kill, again, now, which is normal you know, for them. Now, and, and it was that way before, but it seems more prevalent now. There's a more of an edge of assholery to Kill Ravens' banter. He's yeah, he's been a, always been a little bit of a dick in how he interacts with because nobody can be as good as Kill Raven. But yeah, he's definitely this issue. The theme is him being an arrogant asshole. Even him, like, the issue starts with him, without having a plan, jumping out of a flying vehicle onto a, like, a 40-foot tripod. This entire issue, I think, is like a showcase yeah, of his arrogance. Yeah, I definitely agree. So yeah, they're they're up there, and they're talking about uh, stealthily approaching the base, and uh, Kill Raven fires off. He says, uh, and do you really call what you're doing stealth to... Uh, Mashula and uh, yeah, he can he criticizes him even more. You know, he's like, "Hey, why don't you be a little more noisy and alert everybody?" And then he says, "Who the hell trained? Well, not who the hell, but who trained you in stealth, anyways?" And Mashula fires right back, "You did." And Kill Raven, of course, because Kill Raven can't be wrong, says, "Well, at least you had a good teacher." <laughs> yes, it was quite the Trumpian statement there. Uh, if he starts combing that red hair over, I'm oh. gonna freaking I'm quitting the comic book. Okay, I'm done. We'll have to move to something else. <laughs> <laughs> but this is kind of them stab like back into their their old banter routine. Kill Raven wants to talk about what happened the night before, but they it's not the time for that. But he's like, okay, but we will have words. Kill Raven because he's now mocked everybody's stealth ability. He's going to sneak in alone. But here he says that he wants Mashula to cover him with his crossbow, and he definitely makes a point. I absolutely right. have faith in Mashula. It seems like a weird relationship dynamic between the two. The more this issue goes on, Mashula is just sitting there like, I fucking hate when he does that shit. He's like, I hate it. And Camilla asks, what do you hate? Right, and, and, why, and he's why, like, I hate it when he has faith in me, and, and he just he, he does it. So if something goes wrong, he can blame me for it later. Which is something he absolutely would do. I think Camilla, or I think Mashula is being a little funny here, but that's absolutely the sort of thing that we would have seen. Yeah. Kill Raven, yeah. a pretty petty guy, do. I impulsively ran in, exactly. and you didn't run in fast enough to save. Jeez. Oh, yeah. So this last panel, we cut to a slave, and he's not a mic, a mechanic because it's a tripod. Uh, it's how a tri-canic. <laughs> His name is Hobie. And he fantasizes about escaping, and we learn that Aquaman wasn't Aquaman at all. This whole time, it was really another slave And wore the Gort same clothes. Apparently, there's a uniform. But, and also, Hobie, who also fantasizes about escape, he likes long, sunlit uh, sunrise walks at the beach. He enjoys curling up with a good 
book about the Martian acop- uh, uh, apocalypse and uh, his favorite color is fuchsia. <laughs> he reminded me of Lifeline from G.I. Joe. Right. Well, uh, in this in this panel, you, you see that there's a figure approaching him. Yeah, Scar's a dick. Scar, for no reason, just doesn't like Hobie here and just starts kicking him. And oh my gosh, his glasses. This was like a no Lord reason. of the Flies moment right here because, I mean, can you imagine how hard it is to get prescription <laughs> eyewear in 2019 after the freaking Martian apocalypse? And that's that's what Hobie says, that his glasses will probably now be broken forever. That Poor Hobie. Well, he is getting bullied by Scar. Kill Raven, or Kill Raven silently kills a guard by choking him with a chain. Does not seem the... The easiest, the quickest, or maybe the the, the most noiseless way to yeah, take out yeah, that I guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, but know, if I were that guard, I'd have thought about maybe firing off a couple shots out of my laser rifle to alert people something was amiss. But no, he drops it. He drops his yeah, and, and both of us know from being in the army when you drop a weapon, it makes a very distinctive. Uh, like, apparently, they didn't post the multiple ground. guards with an earshot of each other. We also learn because I know you love the. The names that the uh, they they give things in the Kill Raven universe. The guards are called Sentinoids. Uh, you remember the Noid from the Domino's commercials? S E N T A. Yeah, yeah. You got to avoid yeah, this Noid too, unless you strangle him silently. <laughs> Nobody under thirty has any idea what we're talking about with either you perfect like strangers shit, or Google avoid it. the Noid. Balky. Uh. Now we're so happy we do the dance of joy. Yeah, uh, it's completely lost. Uh, on, I think most right. Of our so Kill Raven, he, he takes out this uh, Sentinoid, and uh, the, the uh, Hobie is uh, climbing down from uh, a platform up above, and uh, he sees the dead Sentinoid and wonders what the hell is going on because. He, he thought Scar had come through and beat him up, but even Scar didn't mess around with these badass Sentinoids. So so now we're yeah. elevating Kill Raven a little bit because this isn't just a mere freaking human he killed. It was a Sentinoid that even Scar won't mess with. So Kill Raven's badass. True enough. Kill Raven, he sees Hobie, and this is very much in character for him. He assumes that anybody working for the Martians is going to be a collaborator, so he's going to attack Hobie, but then Hobie calls him out by his name. He's like, he calls him Kill Raven, which kind of shocks him. So Hobie has to explain how he knows who Kill Raven is, and we learn that everybody here on the base, human or otherwise, saw Kill Raven on the mural phonic receivers, and they saw him being attacked by the rats. In oh, the so his video went viral. He's a YouTube star. Well, yes. I mean, that was that was the big plan. All these penned humans were going to see their like the last free man, the leader of the last free men, be killed. I love that as he's giving Kill Raven all this exposition. Kill Raven interrupts him. He's like, I tell someone right, I wanted yeah. an answer, Kill not Raven. a speech. Kill Raven, the guy that like, freaking <laughs> notoriously asshole. fucking monologues like a fucking bastard. You know, and gives great speeches, but no, if someone else wants he to talk, can- fuck you. <laughs> he calls him out at least three times now in the rest of the issue for talking too much. And you're exactly right. This is the Kill Raven cannot shut up. Like he sees a penny on the ground, and we get like a half a page <laughs> about that once had meaning, that once had value, it's and like, just, wanna, he just I, shut up. It's a penny. He got the can, it. The no, penny I, and holding it up. It says, "I wish to reclaim our lost legacy from the Martians." Uh, 
capitalism, goods, services, it's all gone, but we can rebuild. I mean, he just would go on and on and on. And But yeah, this guy, you ask me a question and I'm giving you a thorough answer, yeah. fuck you. I mean, <laughs> Kill Raven is just, I think it's his time of the month, because he's just been in a snit this entire issue. He needs some Midol and some chocolate uh, he's ice He's just cream going through his man period. His, his, his mangina's himself. hurting. Yes, he just... He is just, he's, <sighs> yeah. he's got a serious Yeah, maybe this freaking that. pants are too tight. I don't know. Um, yes, so... So, uh, yeah, he, he's talking to Hobie, and Hobie's telling him what Scar's doing, which is basically, uh, I guess, in order to test the new models of tripods, they have some sort of, like, disco death race on the Indy 500 track. Just to go back to what you just said, I think I, I would. I want to go back and read the first issue and a half. I think Kill Raven was a little bit nicer until he actually started you know, wearing pants. I, maybe I'm onto something here. Yeah, I, we should, we I, should, like I, I got here. it. He needs to find like an old Walmart or Kmart or Sears and find some of those cheap like they're not quite destructible until you actually wear them sweatpants that they have at those stores and try those out. You know that elastic waistband. I'm sure it's still good. It'll be really comfy. He needs some yoga pants. No. No. Some women's yoga no, pants. I think no, he would be happy with those. No. No. <laughs> Do not sully the miracle that is women's yoga pants by putting Kill, Kill Raven in them. You know what? To express his true self, Kill Raven needs a pair of women's yoga pants and some Uggs. <sighs> it, he'll, he'll be hipster Kill Raven. Clearly that's ridiculous <laughs> not compared to what that he is ridiculous. wearing. But now we're just... Everything my wife said earlier <laughs> is right about it. Yeah, it would be ridiculous, but it would be not that much more ridiculous than what he is wearing. Yeah, maybe he should wear a whole fucking shirt. But hey, that's just exactly. me. I mean, he gets his clothes <laughs> off of whatever mannequin he finds. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we learn that the, uh, Hobie helps him hide the body. We, like you said, we learn that these new tripods are designed to play on the human psyche and that the Martians distort the, uh, humans' basic impulses and turn them against us. We learn that this is some sort of, like you said, disco death, death race. And Kill Raven wants to find Scar, and Hobie takes him to the starting grid right. uh, here on page 18. Hobie, I like this. Uh, well, first, Hobie asks if he can call Kill Raven KR, like Meshula the Black. Again, that's... <laughs> It's just ridiculous that everybody has to call it. like. Well, you ever seen like mm-hmm. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where Morgan yeah. Freeman is yep. just the more the yep. whole issue, like the whole movie. Yep. It's Meshula the Black. It's ridiculous. So what I what I do like after we get past that dialogue is the going to the next page. The when you get up there, give a one for us, Kr. I'll tell Scar you sent me. Don't yeah, you, I, yeah I, I, was, I did enjoy uh, that bit of dialogue. Uh, that was. Nice of Kill Raven. So yeah, Hobie takes Kill Raven to the starting line. They take out a. It was hard to tell what this guy is. I think he was just a, a human slave. So Kill Raven doesn't kill him. Mm-hmm. He just kind of knocks him unconscious. And they uh, he take. There, it looks like there's only three tripods in the race. Yep. He takes and over uh, one of them. Hobie over there kind of gives him the the quick 15 second uh, crash course in how to freaking operate the damn thing. Yep. Gives him a quick class. I do like they yes, have a moment yes. where there's some mutual respect there. There, there is definitely that moment of, of, I guess, Kill Raven's connecting with somebody that's not in his immediate party, that he hasn't gotten to a level where he's completely contemptuous of them yet. Yeah, well, it took him being an ass to Hobie for like five minutes before he could right. show him any so, monochromous respect. Uh, moving on, you know, they're getting ready to take off and do their disco death race. And here's, here's something that I was wondering about. 
So the mid mid panel, right? <laughs> mid panel, you've got the three tripods getting yes. ready to take off and do their Disco Death Race 2000. And, and there is this little small panel in in yes. the middle there. Who the hell is? Okay, never mind. I didn't read the caption well enough, apparently. So it's a Martian. Oh, you know what? I am a complete asshat because if you look on the lower left-hand corner of that panel, I guess I didn't zoom it in far enough, there is a Martian in one of his tentacle egg carrier things sitting on the bandstands. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's, because it's at such a, like, distance... It's hard to see that that was like the normal Martian design, and it's 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 a little more boxy than we're used to. But they yeah, do kind of explain yeah, that. Yeah, I I mechanical. just misinterpreted that and didn't fucking read it right. So yeah, okay, yeah. So well, Mr. Potato Head That's is okay. freaking standing by watching the Disco Death Race 2000, uh, which uh, again I have to wonder, and I'm sure you're wondering, how can someone compete in a race when they have no sort of visual input? Because he's just got this gaping hole for a face. I've been thinking about that, and there's so many controls in that device. I'm wondering if he is just blind, and he's just getting some sort of sensor input from the tripod. <laughs> like, all the controls are in Braille. <laughs> Again, we mentioned that. this last issue <laughs> that, yeah, how uh, they were compliant with the... Uh, Americans with the Disabilities Act. Act. But the... Uh, American with Disabilities Act. So this is again just showing that I mean they may be monsters, but they uh they value good employees, and if you have a disability, yeah, true, they will. True uh, enough. They will help. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. May, well, well, maybe. Forward thinking. Uh, I got it. I got it. So, so what was the the mental device that projected Kill Raven's little freaking uh, episode in Washington? The neural whatever the. The. Okay, so maybe the mural freaking scar. Has a murophonic receiver that's broadcasting the telemetry from the tripod into his brain, and even though he does not currently have eyes to see, his brain at one point was able to interpret, you know, the light spectrum into visual data, and it's just stimulating that part of his brain again. So it's like he's seeing it without an eyeball. All right, no yes. prize for I got you. The no prize. Apparently, this race. It's like you said. It's a. It's not a traditional race. It's more of a '70s death race. So we see Scar attacking one of the right, tripods and, and disabling and it right away. He looks pretty badass doing it. Yes, I like when he reala- after he takes one out and he sees that this other one's attacking him, <laughs> and that's just the beginning. <laughs> what a challenger! I, I read. That's how I read his that. dialogue. What? So he's got a challenger, and who could it be other than our erstwhile hero, Killraven, who... (sighs) What an asshole. What a fucking asshole. This totally didn't go how I thought it was going to go. I I thought they were going... Because he keeps talking about it like it's a duel. So this whole issue we've seen scars like the number one guy in the Devil's Marauder. So I thought it was going to be a duel with tripod versus tripod and that's what they set it up for but what does asshat do is as soon as he sees scar he gets out of his tripod jumps or onto the canopy starts swinging his chain around and he attacks the same fucking way he did in the beginning that almost well, got him he, killed he, he learned, learned he nothing chain nothing <laughs> <him. laughs> i i know i i, I wholeheartedly but, 
agree with you with how fucking ridiculous and contrived this whole situation is. I mean, he he had a fucking tripod. Okay, now I had some hope. Like, if you go back to to that page, I had some hope that he was only raising the canopy up so he could taunt Scar and maybe flip him the bird and be like, "Fuck you." Or maybe make sh- just to make right. sure that Scar could see who he was. Because maybe there would right. be some yeah. glint or something off no. the plexiglass. But yeah, I, I, was, I was so floored that he opened it up and he attacked in the exact same way. Because what is to stop Scar from as soon as he leaps, turning his like the easy-bake oven dial back on the tripod and start cooking the outside of it? There's nothing to stop him from doing that. And Killraven, being a dumbass that he is, even like, like I dare you to do that. He reminds him he has the ability he to cook him like, up. He doesn't even rely on the element of surprise to like freaking slow him down. He's just like, yeah, 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 that button, it's right over there. Like, I mean, he might as well just fucking point to it and be like, yeah, that button there is what you used before to get me off of here, you fucker. Yeah, Scar, just in case you have short-term memory issues because you have a gaping <laughs> hole in your head. Remember, you almost murdered me last time by heating up the surface. Try that again, because I have absolutely, again, no defense for it, because I've tried the exact same strategy <sighs> twice in a row. Yeah, so, of course, at this point, Killraven <laughs> is basically doing everything that Camilla criticized him for. <laughs> It's like, he's like, I'll show her, and I'll do what she accused me of, but three times harder than I've ever done it before. I'm sure Scar is watching that and just shaking his head. What a dumbass. Fuck it, let it ride. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, while we were all saying he's quite a dumbass for doing it, he does manage to break the plexiglass glass, though. He is able to succeed here through absolutely no fault of his own. No, there was no planning. There's His success here has nothing to do with him. It has to, I, I guess it's just Scar was so taken by surprise by what an idiot he is. Like, is he really trying this again the exact same way? Did he really just jump out of a killing machine to a fight me like with a chain and his bare hands? I can't believe this. So the only thing he had going for him was just... He surprised Scar with the sheer, like, the limitless depth yes. of his stupidity. It, just, I mean, he's got to be, like, sitting in that cockpit, like, is this really happening? Really? Really? When, uh, the reason Scar's distracted, he's <laughs> filling out the Darwin Award that he's going to pin to kill oh, Raven when he kills yeah, him. Pretty much. But yeah, Killraven breaks through and he, he dives headfirst into the cockpit and, you know, they start tussling. Yeah, this again, this this may not have been the best plan, because now he's inside the machine, and he's trying to kill Scar. So we see, just like you would think would happen when you're, like, choking the person driving a, uh, a big, heavy machine, it starts going crazy and bumping into buildings and whatnot. It's 2019, in the, in people. The 500. Martians have invaded. Are you telling me they don't have fucking collision avoidance yet on these tripods? Really? You would think with a guy with a giant hole in his head for your your number one driver, you would definitely have that built in. Anyway, we we see that the... (laughs) I'm just... I am blown away, I'm sorry, just by the sheer stupidity of Killraven there. Anyway, while he's trying to choke out Scar, the machine hits one of the... uh, The tripod hits one of the computer centers. The tripod falls over. You see Killraven fall off. 
there's a little figure below the building he's on. You can't, because the guy's not even colored in. I think that's supposed to be Scar running away. It's hard to tell. Or I think that's, is that Scar in that lower right panel in front of the blobs that are supposed to be other guards? There's a purple blob in front of some yellow blobs. So I guess maybe that's supposed to be Scar. It it doesn't make it clear what Scar's fate here is. I, I'm assuming he didn't die, or we would have gotten an eight-caption box dialogue of good Trump, uh, triumphing over evil. Yeah, good, evil yeah. And good is stupid. The upshot here is, I really like how they ended like this issue. Kill Raven, this isn't a su- huge successful win for him. He sees that the building he hit, it knocked over a bunch of debris, and it fell on and killed Hobie. So the guy that he was supposed to come back and rescue, he killed because of his stupid plan. And now he sees the bad guys are rallying, and instead of fighting them, he's outnumbered. That was probably the smartest decision he made. It definitely was. I really like this, because it's Killraven, he has to run away from these several pursuers, and it's hard to tell exactly what they are. But he's also being chased by Camilla's words about subverting his cause of vengeance and never really asking these questions of why or is there a better way. So, like you said, everything he did confirmed all the points that she made. And so he's not just running from his uh, attackers. He's running from his own failure and he's running from the accusations of Camilla. And this is definitely... Every issue so far has ended on this like really high point of victory. This is definitely yeah, a humble he's definitely, kill raven. Definitely been humble. At the end of this. He's his prize definitely been called out on this one, you know. Yeah, they, we get a repeat of Camilla's uh, uh, dialogue, don't you ever ask why. Once he lost his pursuers, he pauses, eyes harden with loss, and his lips whisper one word, and the answer almost kills him. And we end with Hobie being covered in debris and you see his broken glasses. So yeah, that was a I think what I'm what I'm hoping this is is now that Kill Raven's got his superpowers and he's learning that he's kind of an asshole. This is going to be right. Him yeah, I'm hoping there maybe is a, a little more um a little more introspection and insight into why he's doing what he's doing and how he treats the people that surround him that have uh, basically signed their lives off to whatever mad quest he's on. You know, they're they're there to help see this through. They have some of their own reasons, but they've all allied under the one could almost say it, it is a charisma, but it's a charisma of brashness that is Kill Raven, and they're they're realizing that just because he's brash doesn't mean he will be effective. I think there's some parallels here to to maybe some current leadership in in, in our government. That just because somebody says the words that you want to hear and somebody says they're working towards the goal you want them to, that's not enough. You have to have expertise. You have to have leadership ability. You can't just run at a problem and expect that yelling at it or punching at it is always going to solve it. And I, I think this was a really great way to illustrate that with Hobie's death. Hobie, from the first time they, like the first panel they meet, he there seems to be like some hero worship that Hobie has to Kill Raven. He's a character who you could definitely tell admires Kill Raven, wants to do whatever he can to help Kill Raven, and all he asks is he wants to join Kill Raven. And Kill Raven just, okay, jumping out of a vehicle that could have 
he could have dueled with and ended this quicker and probably much safer for everybody. He had to do it the hardest, most impulsive way, and the only, right. only one who really paid the price here was Hobie. Exactly. Hobie trusted and him, and it got him killed. Hopefully the consequences of all this will pay off further down the line, where it, Killraven has taken something away from the experiences of this last dis- issue. I'm hoping he did. Do you see on the next, or two pages away from this, if you're fumbling your way to the next issue of Crazy, it has the Worst World on the cover, based off of the movie Westworld, which is a bit topical right now. And more mooses throughout history in <laughs> Nixonland. Sounds like a lot of fun. I'm not sure if you've seen the movie uh, Westworld. I've seen or the, uh, the first episode of the TV show, and I was intrigued, but I did not go any further into it. It's probably my favorite thing that's kind of current right now. But the, the movie is good in a different way, but it's nice to see that uh, reference no. Oh, yeah. Did you read the backup, read the backup story? story? I can't say it was very memorable. Uh, okay, Are you ready no, for the impossible? The story. It wasn't very memorable. It was... It really... I'd, I'd have rather had six more pages of Kill Raven. I'm going to say, of the backup stories, this has been my favorite so far. We see a small city that's receiving all these mysterious maritime SOS signals. We're talking to the... They're interviewing... The, and then yeah, the, he's an offic- he's, he's, a, he's a in charge of official. the Department of Enlightenment or something like that. Yeah, the, the Department of Enlightenment, exactly. So, since they're in this small country that doesn't have any large bodies of water, they think it's a hoax. So they keep they send out their own broadcast saying, like, stop this! And the, the messages just keep coming. So they're trying to triangulate the source of the signal. It's coming from uh, this this government official's house, and they find that there's a glass bottle with a ship that fell into a, a tub of water, and that's where it's been coming from. And he's like, ha ha ha! Such a thing could be impossible. And on the last panel, we see that their small little uh, city there is in a bottle of water or a bottle, uh, a yeah. glass bottle too. Boom. So, Ooh, bam. Where is he? Well, where is he? I, out of I'm all... looking for M. Night, oh, uh, what's his name, Schmeilan or whatever, to jump out and go, ooh, what a twist. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist. I, I have to say, out of all the backups, that's been my favorite so far. It's but that's the only not one I've read anything. more than the first page of. So, hey, cool. I like that we can cover those in like no, 30 seconds because they don't deserve any more. Next issue of Kill Raven, I'm excited about. Next issue is the Serpent Ooh. Beast of See, Battle Creek. See, many adventures of Kill Raven as he's traveling across the country. That's what we needed from the start. Well, this one's in Michigan, and it's in the serial capital of Michigan, so it'll be nice. I would love if they would have hey, stopped in Detroit. Who knows what happens in the Battle future, Creek. unless you peaked. All right. Oh, I have not really peaked. The one thing that I did know ahead of time was what his superpower was. I discovered that before we started the podcast there's only one more kind of surprise that i know about that uh that's coming up that's awesome. very exciting. Well, don't spoil it for me get to it. <laughs> all right i so, will i will try any not to. exciting plans for uh, the weekend nope this issue or this episode is actually going out right before i upload the next episode or the previous episode so our previous episode will be going up this saturday Theoretically, yeah, now that it, I said okay, it, it so has to time stamp everybody. Or I'll do some editing. Well, <laughs> but it's just about done. It's just got to add some music and so a couple more minutes of editing. We're going to time stamp it. It so is, uh, well, up. for me, it's Friday the 19th. For Mark, it's uh, Saturday the 20th. It's, uh, <laughs> for me, it's March 12th. 
the 20th of January. So if it's not up, we know who to hold accountable for. <laughs> it's, if there's ever a reason the episode's I'm, not I'm, up, I'm it's always going to be my fault. I'm letting the audience know. The I, I do the editing and like that that end of it. Yeah. So if stuff gets delayed. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Mark does the, Mark does most of the work. Okay, oh. I just show up and talk. <laughs> but I, I think it would kind of be an asshole move if I started telling you like you gotta do stuff. Like this was this was kind of. I've been wanting to do a podcast for for a few years now, and you were nice enough to lend your time to this and you've brought a lot to the table and i appreciate the you kind of keep us on task you point out when i'm like well uh talking too much and oh this will be fine don't worry about it you do a lot to keep this podcast going so no i think i i don't mind doing the editing oh geez my wife's yelling and i'm being too loud apparently we're having too much fun you can never have too much fun and if you guys want to have too much fun again you can email us at comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. Because, again, I think as much fun as this is, it's going to be more fun if you get into a, a, a dialogue with us. Tell us what you think about Kill Raven. Tell us about what you think about Comic Book. Or Raven. you Tell can us direct messages on, on uh, uh, Instagram, oh. Comic Book Dungeon Podcast on Instagram. I will start posting more regularly. I promise. This is what I'm thinking about doing. Uh, I was going to take some pictures of the comic book dungeon. That sounds and, good. Uh, we could that put those on good. our Instagram. Yeah, yeah. You guys could see the magic of uh, of, of the comic book dungeon. Yeah, the yeah. We'll take a picture of the comic, comic book, book kitchen garage, and the, uh, the wolf spider. spider arena. Yeah. And if you guys like what you hear, and I know you guys theoretically do because we keep getting every episode, it seems like more and more downloads are happening. Don't be shy. Give us a, re- a review on iTunes because that's going to help more people find us. Because we're so smaller podcasts, the only way you can usually find them is by accident or if somebody directs you to them. So if you think this is good, help somebody else find it by leaving a review. Or if you just know some other guy who's like, wow, I like weird comics and have too much time to listen to stuff. Like I'm bored at work or I have a long commute or I don't want to listen to my family. Yes. Tell them about the podcast. And again, you can contact us through Instagram, through Gmail, or uh, Twitter. There's a lot of ways that you guys can uh, can reach out to us. Because as much fun as this is, I think you guys will have a lot more fun. We have a decent-sized audience. It's going to be fun if you guys can connect with us and start connecting with each other. So yeah, just drop us a line. I know I'm a broken record, but it's I know... Uh, Pretty soon here, we're going to start to get some some more or some emails, hey, some maybe feedback. Maybe start a Facebook group. No, no, you're not on Facebook I've, though. I am not on Facebook. The only social media I'm on is the uh, the Twitter. But again, broken LMD. And if you guys con uh, send me a message, yeah. I'll respond back. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, my brain just got started churning on this whole freaking idea of a group thing. Maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about it. We'll maybe. We'll, if we can actually get some listener response and maybe we'll go into uh, discussing maybe if we can make a, a group forum where uh, all our listeners can chat back and forth and talk about how badly we suck. I'm open to that because I think there's stuff that we could always do better. I think every episode is a little bit better than the episode before. We learn a little bit more about pacing, about editing. Talk, We talk about yeah. stuff outside of comics that I think is interesting. If you guys have stuff that you want to hear us all talk right. about. Hell yeah. Uh, let us know. So, uh, until next time, keep turning them pages. Yeah, uh, keep turning those pages, 
And as bad as things seem in the future in Killraven, I don't think anything could be worse. I think the absolute worst thing in the Marvel Universe has to be the insurance <laughs> rates if you live in yes. New York City. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Everybody have a good one, and I want to see some good emails. Night. Have a good night. <sighs> All right, that's a wrap, huh? Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone, all alone in a time of need. Because he's racing and pacing and plotting the course. He's fighting and fighting and riding on his horse. He's going the distance. He cannot define Bowel-shaking earthquakes of doubt and remorse Assail him, impale him with monster truck force In his mind he's still driving, still making the grade She's hoping in time that her memories will fade Cause he's racing and pacing and plotting the course He's fighting and fighting and riding on his horse The sun has gone down and the moon has come up And long ago somebody left with the cup But he's striving and driving and hugging the turns And thinking of someone for whom he still burns He's going the distance And you and I are undercover detectives on the hot rod circuit. Now let's burn rubber, baby! Speedway Squad, in color. 